Welcome back to the Corruption of Child Protection Services. I am your host, David Shore. Today, I thought I'd just give my opinion on what currently is going on. In the next episode, I will be speaking and reading from Nancy Schaefer's report that was dated in 2007, which she released to the public in March of 2010. May have been earlier than that. On March 26, 2010, her and her husband were murdered. Now, the report will say it was a murder-suicide. I have it on a reliable source, and I'm not saying this like Republicans or Democrats or any politician says. This is an actual source. In fact, the person is someone who introduces Nancy Schaefer. This person has told me that it was not a murder-suicide, that it was a murder, that both Nancy Schaefer and her husband were murdered over this very report entitled The Corrupt Business of Child Protection Services. Make no mistake, though. This report is explosive. So explosive that it cost her her life. There is a YouTube video. It's in three parts. It was supposed to be a documentary that came out late 2009, early 2010. The title of the documentary was to be Innocence Destroyed. The gentleman was former federal investigator Bill Bowen. Now, I know you're probably going to say, well, this is all good and well, but I've never heard of this. I never heard of this gentleman. Well, the American public's memory, it's short. As soon as something new comes around, we automatically start going after it. For some reason, children, and especially children who are being abused by the very system that they're supposed to be protected from. Well, I just so happened to have that uh, from the Georgia General Assembly, from the legislative desk of Senator Nancy Schaefer, 50th District of Georgia, dated November 16th, 2007. The Corrupt Business of Child Protective Services. Her her introduction is as follows. My introduction into Child Protective Services cases was due to a grandmother in an adjoining state who called me with her tragic story. Her two granddaughters had been taken from her daughter who lived in my district. Her daughter was told wrongly that if she wanted to see her children again, she should sign a paper and give up her children. Frightened and young, the daughter did. I've since discovered that parents are often threatened into cooperation of permanent separation of their children. This happens on a daily basis. 
in July of 2018 in the state of Indiana appellate court. They received 10 appeals in six months. Department of Child Services terminated the parental rights of 10 families. This is not something I'm making up. You can actually look this up. All you have to do is put DCS wrongful termination of parental rights. And you'll get a whole eyeful. Now, as we continue, she goes on to say the children were taken to another county and placed in foster care. The foster parents were told wrongly that they could adopt the children. The grandmother then jumped through every hoop known to man in order to get her granddaughters. When the case finally came to court, it was made evident by one of the foster parents' children that the foster parents had, at any given time, 18 foster children and that the foster mother had an inappropriate relationship with the caseworker. I believe I have mentioned this before, but 18 children... And if you get $700 per child, that's about close to $14,000 that they're receiving. And to have an inappropriate relationship, well, I think we know what inappropriate means. Her and the uh, caseworker were getting busy. But it doesn't say if the caseworker was male or female. So I can't say either way as well but let's continue in the courtroom the juvenile judge acted as though she was shocked and said the two girls would be removed quickly they were not removed oh wow the judge didn't remove them hmm. finally after much pressure being applied to the Department of Family and Children's Services of Georgia, DFCS, the children were driven to South Georgia to meet their grandmother, who gladly drove to meet them. Well, Grandma got to see her grandkids. All right. But it still doesn't answer the question, what happened? Remember the one young lady... She signed away her kid children so she could get to see him. Well, after being with their grandmother two or three days, the judge, quite out of the blue, wrote up a new order to send the girls to their father, who previously had no interest in the case and who lived on the West Coast, I would assume California. The father was in adult entertainment. His girlfriend worked as an escort, and his brother, who also worked in the business, had a sexual charge brought against him. Oh, hello. Wow, yeah, that sounds like the typical, you know, mom and dad, apple pie, you know, fence, white picket fence, you know, the great American family. Yeah, the father is in the escort business, 
actually adult entertainment business. The mother is an escort, and the brother had a sexual charge brought against him. Wow! <laughs> Let's continue. This has got to be a great family to bring a young girl to, or I think it was two girls. Within a couple of days, the father was knocking on the grandmother's door and took the girls kicking and screaming to California. Wow, how would I know that it was from California? Maybe because I read this before. Let's continue. The father developed an unusual relationship with the former foster parents and soon moved back to the southeast. And the foster parents began driving to the father's residence and picking up the little girls for visits. The oldest child had told her mother and grandmother on two different occasions that the father, foster father molested her. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought foster parents were supposed to be, you know, the ones that protected the children. You know, the usual, hey, we're going to watch over these kids, going to make sure they're not harmed in any way. Boy, are you starting to see a pattern here? But if you not, don't worry about it, because soon we're going to see why CPS is not your friend. Why CPS will actually put children in a worse situation than they were to begin with. So let's continue, shall we? Okay, let's see. Okay, to this day, and we're after five years, and remember this is 2007, this loving, caring, blood relative grandmother does not even have visitation privileges with the children. Really? Five years and they don't have visitation privileges? What happened to grandparents' rights? The little girls are, in my opinion, permanently traumatized and the young mother of the girls was so traumatized with shock when the girls were first removed from her that she has not recovered. No, I don't know what to tell you. This came from Nancy Schaefer. Like I said, March 26, 2010, her and her husband were murdered. When we come back, you will see that this goes on and on and on. Remember, this is back in 2007. And as you can also tell, not much has changed. Welcome back. Now, if you remember, this is... Just the first of many cases, Nancy Schaefer, as a Georgia State Senator, had been involved in. Throughout this case, and through the process of dealing with multiple other mismanaged cases of the Department of Family and Children's Services, DFCS, this is from Nancy Schaefer. She says, I have worked with other desperate parents and children across the state because they have no rights 
and no one with whom to turn. I have witnessed ruthless behavior from many caseworkers, social workers, investigators, lawyers, judges, therapists, and other such as those who pick up the children. I have been stunned by what I have seen and heard from victims all over the state of Georgia. In this report, I am focusing on the Georgia Department of Family and Children's Services, DFCS. However, I believe Child Protective Services nationwide has become corrupt and that the entire system is broken almost beyond repair. I am convinced parents and families should be warned of the dangers. Even to this day, people are still warned about CPS, warned of the dangers. Those very words coming from Nancy Schaefer, even from beyond the grave, her words still ring true. Once again, let me say that not all CPS social workers are bad, but the good majority of them only care about how much money they can make their profits. Supervisors pressuring their people to take children. I know one boy was autistic, accused of molesting his sister. From the officer's own mouth, he says that the DCS social worker was pressured to take the child, have the child arrested, charged with molesting his sister. His sister was mentally handicapped. So, I don't know what to tell you. Why would they do something like that? Your guess is as good as mine. Nancy Safer continues. The Department of Child Ser Protective Services, known as the Department of Family and Children Services, DFCS, in Georgia, and other titles in other states has become a protected empire built on taking children and separating families. This is not to say that there are not those children who do need to be removed from wretched situations and need protection. I have also stated that if they're in situations that they need to be removed, by all means, remove them. It's better that the child be removed now than have to deal with the aftermath. Just ask Corey Feldman and Rose McGowan. Nancy Schaefer continues. This report is concerned with the children and parents caught up in legal kidnapping, ineffective policies, and DFCS who do does not remove a child or children when a child is enduring torment and abuse. Let me repeat that. This report is concerned with the children and parents caught up in legal kidnapping, ineffective policies, and DFCS who do does not remove a child or children when a child is enduring torment and abuse. If you remember 
that I wrote and I read from the case from this year where a father had his parental rights reinstated and that DCS decided or Department of Child Services decided hey guess what we're going to rewrite the law and we're going to say that the law now says this well the appellate court said otherwise they were reprimanded they continue to get reprimanded Terry Stigdon S-T-I-G-D-O-N is the current DCS director I will try getting you her email address. Why don't you ask her why these things continue to go on? Mary Beth Bonaventura, before she left, had stated that if more money was not come forth, more children would die and be abused. I don't believe she was just talking about from family members. I think she was actually talking about DCS as a whole. Nancy Schaefer continues. In one county in my district, I arranged a meeting for 37 families. Let me read that again. In one county in my district, I arranged a meeting for 37 families to speak freely and without fear. 37 families? Now that's an undertaking. She continues, these poor parents and grandparents spoke of their painful, heart-wrenching encounters with DFCS. Their suffering was overwhelming. They wept and cried. Some did not know where their children were and had not seen them in years. I had witnessed the Gestapo at work, and I witnessed the deceitful conditions under which children were taken in the middle of the night, out of hospitals, off of school buses, and out of homes. In one county, a private drug testing business was operating within the DFCS department that required many many drug tests from parents and individuals for profit. In another county, children were not removed when they were enduring the worst possible abuse. So, the kids that weren't being abused, they were being removed. But the ones that were being abused, they remained there. How would you like to be 41 years old, female, your brother rapes you repeatedly. You're beaten repeatedly. CPS does nothing. Later, the brother apologizes. But the damage has already been done. Yeah, that's CPS. Hard at work. Let's continue. Nancy Schaefer states in a report, due to being exposed, several employees in a particular DFCS office were fired. However, they have now been rehired either in neighboring counties or in the same county again. 
according to the calls I am now receiving, the conditions in that county are returning to the same practices that they had before the light was shown on their deeds. So that means that they didn't care as long as they were making their money. That's all they cared about. Take as many kids as you can. But it also looked like if the kids don't sign any sign of abuse, remove them from the house. If these kids are being abused, don't worry about it. We can't worry about all the kids. If this is getting you upset, more is coming. So sit back. If you got coffee, I'd get you a big pot right now. If you drink Mountain Dew, get the strongest Mountain Dew you can. Because we're going on a roller coaster, boys and girls. Let's continue. She says, having worked with probably 300 cases statewide. 300 cases, ladies and gentlemen. She continues that I am convinced there is no responsibility and no accountability in the system. Do you remember me saying that the Indiana Department of Child Services terminated parental rights of 10 families in six months? Or at least it got 10 appeals in six months. Nancy Schaefer, this is her conclusion. I have come to the conclusion that poor parents oftentimes are targeted to lose their children because they do not have the wherewithal to hire lawyers and fight the system. Being poor does not mean you are not a good parent or that you do not love your child or that your child should be removed and placed with strangers. Remember what happened in the 1600s and what happened continuously since then that all parents are capable of making mistakes and that making a mistake does not mean your children are always to be removed from the home. Even if the home is not perfect, it is home. And that's where a child is the safest and where he or she wants to be with family. Unless, of course, you're talking about CPS and then they're saying, no, 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 no. They belong in foster care. And not because I need to get that bonus. That parenting classes, anger management classes, counseling, referrals, therapy classes, and on and on are demanded of parents with no compassion by the system, even while they are at work and while their children are separated from them. This can take months or even years. And it emotionally devastates both children and parents. Parents are victimized by the system that makes a profit for holding children longer and bonuses for not returning children. Remember, this is a Georgia state senator in 2007 who is saying this. That cases and caseworkers and social workers are oftentimes guilty of fraud. They withhold evidence. They fabricate evidence, and they seek to terminate parental rights. However, when charges are made against them, the charges are ignored. 
that the separation of families is growing as a business because local governments have grown accustomed to having taxpayer dollars to balance their ever-expanding budgets. That Child Protective Services and Juvenile Court can always hide behind a confidentiality clause in order to protect their decisions and keep the funds flowing. There should be open records and court watches. Look who is being paid. When we come back, I will continue. And guess what? Wait until you hear who the biggest violators of this are. Bet you can tell. Bet you can guess. But let's see what it is anyhow. You might be surprised. Welcome back. Well, let's find out who is all involved in this. In her report, top of page four, it says there are state employees, lawyers, court investigators, court personnel, and judges. There are psychologists and psychiatrists, counselors, caseworkers, therapists, foster parents, adoptive parents, and on and on. All are looking to the children in state custody to provide job security. Parents do not realize that social workers are the glue that holds the system together that funds the court, the child's attorney, and the multiple other jobs, including DFCS's attorney. So, are you shocked? that all those people are involved. And I think that's just the ones that Nancy Schaefer found out. I mean, keep on hearing stories of how there's these big bonuses. Let's continue. That the Adoption and the Safe Families Act, set in motion by President Bill Clinton, offered cash bonuses to the states for every child they adopted out of foster care. Now remember, this is at time a former Georgia state senator who is stating this, someone on the inside of the system. She continues, in order to receive the adoption incentive bonuses, local child protective services need more children. They must have merchandise children that's sell and you must have plenty of them so the buyer can choose sounds like going to the store and picking out your favorite child okay i want that one there but it has to have blonde hair blue eyes has to have a high iq um comes from here she continues and here come the bonuses at the time of 2007 this came from Nancy Schaefer, not my own lips. She states, some counties are known to give a $4,000 bonus for each child adopted and an additional $2,000 for a special needs child. 
employees work to keep the federal dollars flowing. So in other words, if they take your kid, guess what? They're going to be getting, at the time, to adopt the child out, $4,000. I've heard as much as $1 million. And the bonuses, minimum of $2,000, up to $10,000. How many of you are starting to get sick? Let's continue. She further goes on that there is a double, there is double dipping. The funding continues as long as a child is out of the home. When a child in foster care is placed with a new family, then adoption bonus funds are available. When a child is placed in a mental health facility and is on 16 drugs per day, like two children of a constituent of mine, more funds are involved. So in other words, you drug up the child, you're going to have more money come to you? Sounds like a big business to me. She continues that there are no financial resources and no real drive to unite a family and help keep them together. So in other words, there's nothing if they turn your child back over to you, they get nothing. So you can see why they would not want your children returned to you. She continues that the incentive for social workers to return children to their parents quickly after taking them has disappeared. And who in protective services will step up to the plate and say this must end? No one, because they are all in the system together. And a system with no leader and no clear policies will always fail the children. Look at the waste in government that is forced upon the taxpayer. That is true. That the policy manual is considered the last word for DFCS. However, it is too long, too confusing, poorly written, and does not take the law into consideration. Remember the case from this year? They didn't take the law into consideration. In fact, they tried to rewrite the law. And you see how well that worked for them. That if the lives of children were improved by removing them from their homes, there might be a greater need for protective services. But today, all children are not always safer. Children of whom I am aware have been raped and impregnated in foster care and the head of a foster parents association in my district was recently arrested because of child molestation. Let me read that last part again. Children of whom I am aware have been raped and impregnated in foster care and the head of a foster parents association in my district was recently arrested because of child molestation. That is in Nancy Schaefer's report. How many people now feel safer knowing that children are going into foster care and the system? I don't feel very confident in it. 
that some parents, and this is from Nancy Schaefer again, that some parents are even told if they want to see their children or grandchildren, they must divorce their spouse. Many who are underprivileged, feeling they have no option, will divorce. Hmm. And then just continue to live together. This is an anti-family policy, but parents will do anything to get their children home with them. I know of a couple that happened to. The wife told the father not to come home. Found out later if she was to get the kids back, she had to stop seeing the father. Fathers, non-custodial parents, I must add, are oftentimes treated as criminals without access to their own children and have a, have child support payments strangling the very life out of them. Paying for child support, yet you can't see your own child. That the foster parent, the Bill of Rights, does not bring out that a foster parent is there only to care for a child until the child can be returned home. Many foster parents today use the Foster Parents Bill of Rights to hire a lawyer and seek to adopt the child from the real parents, who are desperately trying to get their child home and out of the system. So in other words, the foster parents, many of them are using this Foster Parents Bill of Rights to circumvent the law so they can get these children I wonder what they get in return besides the children. She continues that tax dollars are being used to keep this gigantic system afloat. Yet the victims, parents, grandparents, guardians, and especially the children are charged for the system's services. So in other words, hey, guess what? We got all these, uh, the system, and we're going to charge the very people that uh, we say are abusing their kids. Yeah, that works like the government. She says that grandparents have called from all over the state of Georgia trying to get custody of their grandchildren. DFCS claims relatives are contacted, but there are cases that prove differently. Grandparents who lose their grandchildren to strangers have lost their own flesh and blood. The children lose their family heritage and grandparents. And parents, too, lose all connections to their heirs. She says that the National Center on Child Abuse and Neglect in 1998 reported that six times as many children died in foster care than in the general public. And that once removed to official Safety, these children are far more likely to suffer abuse, including sexual molestation, than in the general population. That according to the California Little Hoover Commission report in 2003, 30% to 70% of the children in California group homes do not belong there and should not have been removed from their homes. How many times have you heard this? 
Well, when we come back, the story isn't over. The next segment is going to be, when you hear it, you're going to wonder why the system is the way it is, why nothing has changed, and why even back in 2007, 13 years ago, it's business as usual. We'll be back. Welcome back. Nancy Schaefer's final report, remarks. She states, On my desk are scores of cases of exhausted families and troubled children. It has been beyond me to turn my back on these suffering, crying, and sometimes beaten down individuals. We are mistreating the most innocent. Child Protective Services have become adult-centered to the detriment of children. No longer is judgment based on what the child needs or who the child wants to be with or what is really best for the whole family. It is some adult or bureaucrat who makes the decisions based often on just hearsay without ever consulting a family member or just what is convenient, profitable, or less troublesome for a director of DFCS. I have witnessed such injustice and harm brought to these families that I am not sure if I even believe reform of the system is possible. The system cannot be trusted. Wow, this came from a Georgia state senator in 2007. It does not serve the people. It obliterates families and children simply because it has the power to do so. Children deserve better. Families deserve better. It's time to pull back the curtain and set our children and families free. Nancy Schaefer wrote from Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Didn't say anything about government. Didn't say anything about the wealthy. She has recommendations. See if these recommendations ring for you. Her first recommendation is to call for an independent audit of the Department of Family and Children's Services to expose corruption and fraud. I would like to say call for an independent audit of the Indiana Department of Child Services and the Indiana Department of Family and Children's Services to expose corruption and fraud. You can recommend this to your state. Two, activate immediate change. Every day that passes mean more families and children are subject to being held hostage. That's true today as it is when Nancy Schaefer wrote this in 2007. Three, end the financial incentives that separate families. In other words, remove the bonuses. You remove the bonuses, they yell, holler, and scream, we need that. Tell them no. 
If you take the children, it is on your dime, and you do not charge the family. Four, grant the parents their rights in writing, whether or not that's in writing, but also make sure to enforce those rights. You as the parents have that right. Five, mandate a search for family members to be given the opportunity to adopt their own relatives. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Give them the opportunity. Hey, look, little Tommy, little Susie, they need some place to live. Would you adopt them? Chances are a family member would be honored. Six, mandate a jury trial where every piece of evidence is presented before removing a child from his or her parents. Sounds like a good idea to me. If you mandate a jury trial where every piece of evidence is presented before removing your child from you, maybe a lot of children wouldn't be removed. The judge may even said return the children. Remember that one woman? The judge yelled at the state when the woman had done everything the state asked, had glowing letters of recommendation from all of her instructors from even an old caseworker, at least one of them. The current one recommended that the child remain in state's care. The judge said to return the child, was very upset. Number seven, require a warrant or a positive emergency circumstance before removing children from their parents. Now, this came from Judge Arthur G. Christian, Utah Bar Journal, January 1997, reported that, quote, except in emergency circumstances, including the need for immediate medical care, require warrants upon affidavits of probable cause before entry upon private property is permitted for the forcible removal of children from their parents. But remember, listen. It said, except in emergency circumstances, including the need for immediate medical care, require warrants upon affidavit of probable cause. So, that means that would be the Fourth Amendment. Now, the last one. Uphold the laws when someone fabricates or presents false evidence. If a parent alleges fraud, hold a hearing with the right to discover of all evidence. So, this came from Nancy Schaefer. Wow. Now, I will be going over Jeremy's story. Now, this will be in the next episode. I think I'll just start it off. It was from December 5th, 2006. Jeremy's story, some names withheld due to future hearings. I don't know what the deposition is. This was told to Nancy, Senator Nancy Schaefer by Sandra, a foster parent of Jeremy for two and a half years. Yeah, you heard that right, two and a half years. My husband and I received Jeremy 
when he was two weeks old and we have been the only parents he has really ever known. He lived with us for 27 months. Now, they didn't say that they, they have four exes, is the grandfather of Jeremy, and he is known for molesting his own children, for molesting Jeremy, and has been court-ordered not to be around Jeremy. Now, now the mother of Jeremy, who has been diagnosed to be mentally ill and is also known to have molested Jeremy. Jeremy's uncle is a registered sex offender. And the biological father, who is a drug addict, an alcoholic, and who continues to be in and out of jail. Having just described Jeremy's world, all of these adults are not to be any part of Jeremy's life. Yet, for years, DFCS has known that they are. DFCS has had to test the grandfather and his son, the uncle, and the real father. Had to test the father to make sure he was the biological father, although any of them might have been. In court, it appeared from the case study that everyone involved knew that this little boy had been molested by family members, even by his own mother. In court, the mother of Jeremy admitted to having had sex with the child, with oh, actually the grandfather and her own brother that morning. The judge and FCS gave Jeremy to his grandmother that same day. The grandmother is over 300 pounds is unable to drive, and is unable to take care of Jeremy due to physical problems. She also has been in a mental hospital several times to her, due to her behavior. Well, I'm going to stop it there. The next episode, I'm going to continue this. And I am reading this along with you. I've never actually looked at this. But I will say this. This child was better off in foster care than he was with his biological family. CPS dropped the ball on this one. We'll see how it goes in the next episode. This is David Shore for the Corruption of Child Protection Services.